ಕಥಾಮೃತೀವನ ಕವಿರೀರಿತ ಕಲ್ಮಶಾಪಂ ಶ್ರವಣಮಂಗಲ ಶ್ರೀಮದೃಣಂತೇ ಭೂರಿದಾಜನ so in the last class we saw that in the sri ramakrishna's conversation with the brahmo devotees that's going on where sri ramakrishna being interrogated being asked by keshav chandra to uh describe the various manifestations of the feminine divinity of the feminine aspect of the divinity in the form of mother kali Sri Ramakrishna was discussing that what the primordial power is ever at play. This idea introduces the elements of spontaneity and freedom in the creation. That it is ever at play. As we were indicating in the last class, it is not that, that sometimes we have an idea that the creation comes to an annihilation. it stops and again the new creation starts but here sri ramakrishna is indicating that the creation is always going on it means that the destruction and the creation is going on simultaneously at some place the destruction is going on at some other place creation is going on it never so happens that the creation annihilates in totality and ceases to exist and again uh the creation comes from that state of void so that's the idea which we find even swami vivekananda is indicating in his very first lecture not first lecture in his paper he read on hinduism in the chicago after the first lecture there were a series of lectures on the subsequent days and on one of the days swami vivekananda delivered a lecture on uh, he actually read a paper it is delivered a lecture on the this paper on hinduism and there we find this idea that this the divine primordial energy in the form of shakti that she is creating preserving and destroying and is ever at play so that's idea we find swami ji is indicating that let us read out that portion the vedas teach us that creation is without beginning or end science is said to have proved that the sum total of cosmic energy is always the same then if there was a time when nothing existed where was all this manifested energy some say it was in a potential form in god in that case god is sometimes potential and sometimes kinetic which would make him mutable everything mutable is a compound and everything compound must undergo that change which is called destruction so god would die which is absurd therefore there never was a time when there was no creation if i may be allowed to use a simile creation and creator are two lines without beginning and without end running parallel to each other god is the ever active providence by whose power systems after systems are being evolved out of chaos made to run for a time and again destroyed this is what the brahmin boy repeats every day the sun and the moon the lord created like the suns and the moons of previous cycles 
and this agrees with modern science. So this is an extract from the paper on Hinduism by Swami Vivekananda. So that's the same idea that this creation is ever unceasingly going on. She's creating, preserving and destroying in play as it were. As we were indicating, there cannot be any purpose behind the creation. That purpose speaks of limitation, that I need something that speaks of the purpose. God is beyond all wants. There cannot be any purpose. It is just the expression of his, this Ladini Shakti, the aspect of bliss. That as a small child, we were giving that example. This is the example Swami Vivekananda gives in some other part of Jnana Yoga. That just as a small child, the spontaneous expression of life, of joy, of bliss of the child is, if you give a child some synthetic clay or some clay, it will make and unmake so many models. It has no purpose. It will make a beautiful model, but it has no attachment towards it. The next moment it will break it, unmake it, and again make something new. So why the child is making and unmaking? It is just the spontaneous expression of the life of joy. So similarly, God's that Ladini Shakti, the bliss aspect, the Ananda aspect of the divine finds express, expression through the spontaneity and freedom in the creation. And this spontaneous power that the Brahman which is in the potential form is finding expression as Shakti, that Shakti, that kinetic aspect of the divinity is being termed as Kali. That's what Sri Ramakrishna is saying. This power is called Kali. Kali is verily Brahman and Brahman is verily Kali. It is one and the same reality. When we think of it as inactive, that is to say, not engaged in the acts of creation, preservation and destruction, then we call it Brahman. But when it engages in these activities, then we call it Kali or Shakti. The reality is one and the same. The difference is in the name and form. So that's the thing which we studied in the last class. Let us proceed to the next section. So this is the thing which is a very, very off-quoted uh, allegory of Sri Ramakrishna. That what he's saying, it is like water called in different languages by different names, such as Jal, Pani, and so forth. There are three or four ghats on a lake. The Hindus who drink water at one place call it Jal. The Muslims at another place call it Pani. And the English at a third place call it water. All three denote one and the same thing. The difference being in the name only. In the same way, some address the reality as Allah, some as God, some as Brahman, some as Kali, and others by such names as Rama, Jesus, Durga, Hari. So this is the idea which we find that Sri Ramakrishna in so many places in the gospel is indicating it is the same reality called by different names. So Sri Ramakrishna gives another example that it is the same water which is coming out through the various outlets from the terrace. In the olden days, and even now in India, you will find that from the terrace, there are various outlets from which the water is just falling on the ground. And those outlets may be of different shapes. It may be of the shape of the mouth of a lion or the mouth of a tiger, or it may be the mouth of a horse or any other animal. So from the mouth of these various animals, the rainwater is coming, is just flowing out. So it's the same water, which is being channelized to these various mouths, the shapes of these various mouths, but it's the same water. So all these various avatars are like that their form, the name is like this channel through which the same divinity is finding expression. Sri Ramakrishna gives another example that what he says is very interesting. 
that all the forms and concepts of divinities are like the holes chiseled in the wall of ego. That when once Naren, Naren asks Sri Ramakrishna, just mentions Sri Ramakrishna, that such and such faith is a blind faith. Immediately Sri Ramakrishna's response was, just tell me which faith has eyes. All the faiths are blind. Faith means belief. I believe in such and such form. I say that Rama is the God. So you may say Krishna is the God. It is a belief. But holding on to this belief, when we start our spiritual journey, what's the <clears throat> uh, essence of all the spiritual practices? If our spiritual practices doesn't keep us restricted just to mere the belief systems, some doctrines and dogmas, some do's and don'ts, we go beyond that. We start practicing re religion intently. We have, we develop fervent devotion and that devotion, that intensity of devotion speaks of tremendous concentration. When my mind is tremendously concentrated, is intensely concentrated, everything, all the distractions falls off. That's the example which we give in so many places that when someone is intently watching the TV and someone is calling him, by his name, he doesn't hear it. Because as he's intently watching something, which is to his passion, to his tremendous liking, he's so focused that the mind, though the sound is entering his ears, it is not getting connected with his mind. So this speaks of that intense focus. In the life of Ramakrishna, we find that he had that tremendous, whatever he will resort to as a practice, he will give his whole heart to it. He will dive deep into it. All of the things falls off. In the Yoga Sutra, they speak of a state called Videha. That when your mind is focused, first the external distractions falls off. And then even your bodily feelings falls off. Because for all the, this, all the bodily feelings are like the biological alarm system. Your hunger, your thirst, your tiredness, your need to sleep. All this is a biological alarm system for which the mind has to be connected to the body to respond to that alarm. Now, when your mind is focused, you will find Sri Ramakrishna for days together haven't slept when he was doing sadhana. Throughout the night, he was intently absorbed in meditation. He would cry piteously that why that you don't give, you are not that's coming to my vision. So all those we have read in his life, that it was tremendous intensity and which came from the simple belief that God do exist. This belief that he is not just Mrinmai, she is Chinmai, this idea gave that intense focus. And we find in a very short time, whatever practice he is resorting to, it is taking him to a type of mystic realization. What's that mystic realization? That when your mind is extremely focused on something, everything falls off, even your bodily feelings falls off. At last, a part of your mind, the optimum requirement is a part of your mind should be attached to your sense of limited individuality, the ego. It is constantly there from our birth till death that I am this body-mind complex. This identification with the body-mind complex, that too needs a part of my mind and awareness. That also is taken away by your object of meditation. The ego falls off for the time being. It takes you to the state of samadhi. This swarupa shunya eva, that samadhi, that you lose your own sense of identity. You become one with the object of meditation. That's what Samadhi has been spoken of in the scriptures. There's the triad, the breaking of the triad, the collapsing of the triad in the form of Dhyana, Dhyata, Dhyaya. That when I'm meditating, there are three distinct aspects in meditation. There's an object of meditation, the one who is meditating 
and the process of meditation, which connects the object of meditation with the meditator. So this triad falls off, that I am meditating to think that that ego, this remnant of that ego should be there, that also has been taken away by your process of meditation, your object of meditation, the triad collapses. And then what happens? They say the Triputi, because of the Triputi Bheda, you as you become one with the object of meditation. The moment that happens, it takes you to a realization, which is both uh, that they call neotic, something which you have never experienced previously, something, but at the same time, it cannot be described also. But all the realizations that Sri Ramakrishna is indicating takes to that state where your sense of individuality falls off. If you read the life of Ramakrishna, for the first time when he had the vision of mother, it was not just the form of mother. He found what? That suddenly that waves of light, illumination is flowing, making him forget his own individuality. He was as even an ocean of illumination. So somehow this idea of non-locality comes when you any one goes to that mystic realization. Even in the Christian mystics, you will find the same thing. In Christianity, as per the scripture is concerned, that the idea that you are one with the divine is not that way. It is there, but it is not the prevalent idea. But these mystics are speaking of it in a very definite term. Even in Islam, we find the Sufi, those who are the mystics, they're also speaking of this, this unity. So Sri Ramakrishna used to say that when you reach there, all the fox howls in the same manner when you reach there. So as far as this mystic realization is concerned, all the religion speaks the same thing, where you find yourself to be unified with the whole, and the ego drops off. You started with a form of the divine, but at that last, that form of the divine became a channel through which you peeped into eternity. Sri Ramakrishna, as he himself traversed all the paths, so how nicely he's giving that example, that he's saying all the various forms of divinities are like a holes, are like a hole chiseled in the wall of ego. The one who is worshiping Rama, he has chiseled a hole in the form of Rama, in the concept of Rama. And when the hole is complete, you chisel a hole in the wall. And when at last the chiseling is complete, the hole is created and you peep through it, you see infinite expanse. Now, if that hole is made in the form of Kali, you say Kali is infinite. If it is made in the form of Krishna, you say Krishna is infinite. If it is made in the form of Rama, you say Rama is infinite. If it is in the form of Jesus, Jesus is infinite. So all these forms become the chiseled hole in the wall of ego to peep to the eternity. So it's the same reality, only the names and the forms through which you are peeping, that's a different. So these are the various examples which we find in the gospel. The same thing, this, the same idea which he's speaking of as a chiseled hole in the wall of ego is being indicated again here in a much simpler way. It is, a, it is like water called in different languages by different names, such as Jal, Pani, and so forth. There are three or four ghats on a lake. The Hindus who drink water at one place call it Jal. The Muslims at another place call it Pani. And the English at a third place call it water. All three denote one and same thing. The difference being only in name. In the same way, some address the reality as Allah, some as God, some as Brahman, some as Kali, and others by such names as Rama, Jesus, Durga, and Hari. Keshav with smile. Describe to us, sir, in how many ways Kali, the Divine Mother, sports in this world. Master with a smile. Oh, she plays in different ways. 
it is she alone who is known as mahakali nityakali smashanakali rakshakali and shyamakali so these are the various aspects of the goddess kali mahakali nityakali smashanakali rakshakali and shyamakali now he will describe what this each of these aspects are so what is this mahakali mahakali and nityakali are mentioned in the tantra philosophy when there were neither the creation nor the sun the moon the planets and the earth and where darkness was enveloped in darkness then the mother the formless one mahakali the great power was one with mahakala the absolute so mahakali is the aspect beyond the creation it is just like magnetism which remains potential as a in as as a potential energy within an iron bar so when an iron bar has the potential to become a magnet why it is not a magnet because all the dipoles are diverse they are all diversified they are in various direction so one dipole negates the other dipole the magnetism of one dipole is negating the other so the net magnetism is zero so very interesting that as in vedas we the we find that the rishis realized that brahman the concept of brahman so that's that's why they could discover zero zero doesn't mean the absence or the void absence of anything it means balance that any number 4 minus 4 is zero what means something is balancing something that some energy is being balanced by something so here we find that all in a uh, this in a magnetic dipole in a magnet in a, in an iron bar all the magnetic dipoles as they are in diverse directions so one the magnet the magnetism of one dipole is negating the other that's why the net result is zero if we can orient all the magnetic dipoles in such a way that all the north poles are in one direction and the south poles are in another direction immediately that iron bar is converted into magnet that's an energy so just as this is the, the the way just we are taking this as an example to understand the thing the ultimate reality which was in the potential form finds expression as energy that if expression as energy is the manifestation manifested energy of kali but before it is manifested it is one with brahman just as magnetism is one with the iron bar before it is being manifested it is there so when the creation is not there then this power is as if lying identified with brahman so that's the thing the with mahakala mahakala or brahman or whatever we may say that this the absolute with that absolute it is just being and it is just one with it that's being indicated as mahakali mahakali is the potential form of that shakti so mahakali and nityakali so both are said are mentioned in the tantra philosophy when there were neither the creation nor the sun the moon the planets and the earth and when darkness was enveloped in darkness then the mother the formless one mahakali the great power was one with mahakala the absolute it was hidden within it and then now when it finds manifestation we we as per our need worship that power and that's how as per our need we worship a particular aspect of that power and all that particular aspect is named differently so what are the different uh, aspects of kali that which is manifested there are the shyama kali raksha kali smashana kali so what are they now sri ramakrishna will be describing one by one shyama kali has a somewhat tender aspect and is worshiped in the hindu households she is the dispenser of boons and the dispeller of fear 
Shyamakari, what it is actually indicating? That it is actually the preventive aspect that we always want security. We always want that life should be secure. And we know that there are various aspects which may lead us to some perils, to some danger. To avoid that, there is no danger. At present, I am leading a life which is, which speaks of uh, comfort, security. But I have that apprehension, that fear. Anytime the things may change, there may be something waiting for me ahead, which will speak of challenge, which will speak of struggle, which will speak of dejection, sorrow. So to avert that, Shyamakali has been worshipped. So she is the preventive aspect. As in the modern psychology, that we find is a new branch called positive psychology. It's a very, very new branch. Previously, the, the entire branch of psychology was, as per the positive psychology is concerned, in contrast to that, it was negative psychology. Why? That if our state of well being is considered as zero, that when it goes to minus, then how to bring it back to zero was the effort, was the endeavor of enter psychology. So that when you're going to the negative, when there is some problem, then you have to just recover from that and again to come to that zero state. All the efforts was being mentioned in the science of psychology. In the modern days, the positive psychology says a different thing. That why you have to go to the negative from zero. Why not think of mental orientation, lifestyle in such a way that from zero, we go to the positive. In life, that every, there is no problem, but why not we try to have a more effective, have a more uh, productive way of life by having that a much more refined uh, the psyche. So that speaks of the positive, that when I have no problem, but I try to have some better quality of life, to increase the glitters of my life. That's in the present they say that the so-called joyful moments are like the glitters. You can never think of a continuous joy, uh, this uh, life which is full of joy. They're like glitters, they come and go, but I can somehow intensify those, this, the moments of the glitters. I can increase their frequency. There is a way out. So similarly, in here we find the Shyamakali is the positive aspect. That it, I am as such having no such problem, but to avert any uh, perils in life, challenges in life, I worship that benign form of the mother in the form of Shyamakali. The Shyamakali, that's why it can be worshipped in the household. Shyamakali has a somewhat tender aspect and is worshipped in Hindu households. She is the dispenser of boons and the dispeller of fear. Next comes Rakshakali. People worship Rakshakali, the protectors in time of epidemic, famine, earthquake, drought and flood. So that is not to be kept at home. That is in the shrine. Because that's the aspect of the divinity which is being worshipped, not always. It's only then you have gone to the negative to cure that it is now, it is something which speaks of the remedial aspect of the Shakti. I have, I am in some peril, in some danger, this epidemic, famine, earthquake, drought, not to regain the stable state of my existence, the aspect of the divinity which I am worship, worshipping is called the Rakshakali. So just see this Sri Ramakrishna, how nicely is indicating one by one. This Shyamakali is the tender aspect, that is the preventive aspect of the Shakti. Rakshakali is the remedial aspect. People worship Rakshakali, the protectress in times of epidemic, famine, earthquake, drought and flood. Now, very interesting that 
with all our endeavor to avert the perils of life, to avert the this all sorts of sorrows and dejection, like however I may try. To a certain extent, I may be successful, but know it for certain. This is the law of nature that anything which is created is bound to be destroyed. Life can, with all my attempt, I can never think of life to be just like a flow of bliss. It will, it is bound to have its ups and downs. With all my effort, I should, I it is always, it is always advisable to try to avert all the so-called uh, perils in life, the difficulties in life. I will try, but at the back of my mind, I should always be aware of the fact that however I may try, I may avert to a certain extent, but the challenges, the perils are there waiting for me. The ups and downs are a part of the life. Your life means these ups and downs. It will be there. So there should be an orientation of my mind where I'm ready that I try my best to have a prosperous life, good life. In spite of that, I know that there should be in the back of my mind, there will be time with all my effort, I cannot avert the so-called the perils in my life, the difficulties in my life, the challenges, the dejections, the sorrow, which may come in the form of disease, death of my near and dear ones. In so many ways it may come. I cannot avert with all my effort. So to accept that fact comes the smashanakani. That Hinduism is such a religion where they accept that God is the creator, preserver and destroyer. I don't try to blind my eyes by just thinking, oh God, you are love alone and you just are there to create me and sustain me. We accept the fact wherever the creation is, it is the plan of the creation. It, there has to be destruction. So to accept that fact, for that, the worship of the Smashana Kali is there. Smashana Kali the, is the embodiment of the power of destruction. See, resides in the cremation ground, surrounded by corpses, jackals, and terrible female spirits. From her mouth flows a stream of blood. From her neck hangs a garland of human heads. And around her waist is a girdle made of human hands. So this Mashana Kali speaks of the destructive aspect of Shakti. Anything created is bound to be destroyed. That's rhythm. That's the law of the universe, that wherever creation, it is bound to be destroyed. So all the preventive and remedial measures work to a certain degree. For that Shamakali, Rakshakali is there, but ultimate destruction cannot be averted. So this worship of Smashanakali is to accept this fact and to reorient our lives with the attitude of acceptance and resignation. Just see, these various aspects of Kali speaks of our, how we should orient our life, that we should try to lead a good life, avert difficulties. When difficulties are there, we have to try to, we'll try to get rid of it. But in the back of the mind, we should always keep this also fact that however I may try, I cannot avoid these ups and downs of life. To accept that fact with a sense of resignation and acceptance, the Smashana Kali is there. It speaks of the destructive aspect of the Shakti. And that's the terrible aspect of the divine. So we should have sufficient courage to accept this terrible aspect of the divine. It is there. We, if we just try to blindfold our eyes from the destructive aspect, we, will, we cannot avoid it but our suffering will be intense as we try to resist something which cannot be resisted. It will result in intense suffering. So that's why to accept all these the various stages of life, the various states of life, these various aspects of the divinity in the various forms is being worshiped. So just see what a wonderful 
science has developed from all this worship, that the mother Kali has all these aspects, the same Kali who is one before the creation, who is one with Mahakala, is this energy is in the potential form, that energy do has this capacity to sustain the creation in the form of Shyamakali. And even when the destruction to certain extent has started, it can again be averted for that Rakshakali is there. But we cannot avert it forever. Then we accept the Smashana Kali. That's the form of Kali. She destroys everything, whatever is created. And from that destruction, again, new creation will come. That Sri Ramakrishna will be indicating in the next discussion after the destruction of the universe. The destruction doesn't mean annihilation altogether. Uh, behind each and every destruction is lying the seed of next creation. So that's being again indicated by Sri Ramakrishna after the destruction of the universe. At the end of the end of a great cycle, the Divine Mother garners the seeds of the next creation. She is like the elderly mistress of the house who has a hodgepodge pot in which she keeps different articles for household use. So in the olden days in the village, you know that now you go to the market that you want to just plant, you want to have some kitchen garden or you want to have some garden, you get the seeds. But in the olden days, it's, it was not like that, that I just go and buy some seeds and plant them. The plants grows and I have to collect the seeds, harvest those seeds, keep them safely. So that when these plants, this the garden, all the, this kitchen garden, in the kitchen garden or in your flower garden, whatever plants are there, they die. For the next creation, again, those seeds are there. So the elderly, these ladies of the household, they knew that. So they used to collect the seeds and used to keep it in a pot, that's a hodgepodge pot, where all sorts of these seeds, everything's are there. So Ramakrishna is taking that as an example. So similarly, in the destruction, when the destruction is happening, it's not going to be destroyed forever. Within the, when the destruction is going on, the mother is as if collects the seeds of the next creation, just the way this elderly mistress of the house who has a hodgepodge pot in which she keeps the different articles for household use. What are those articles? Oh yes, then they all laugh because we, it's such a funny example Sri Ramakrishna gives and all laughs. So then Sri Ramakrishna to assert the fact, what he said, oh yes, housewives have pot like that where they keep sea foam. Sea foam actually, Master is referring to the cuttlefish bone found on the seashore. So they keep, the popular belief is that it is hardened into sea foam. Small bundles of seeds of cucumber, cucumber, pumpkin, gourd, and so on. They take them out when they want them. In the same way, after the destruction of the universe, my divine mother, the embodiment of Brahman, gathers the seed for the next creation. After the creation, the primal power dwells in the universe itself. It brings forth this phenomenal world and then pervades it. As in our Upanishad, it has been mentioned, tat srishtva tat eva anupravishat, tat eva anupravishat. After creating, he has entered into the creation. What it means that God is not merely transcendental, is immanent also. That when he says God has created the universe, the immediate idea is God is sitting there high in the sky. He has created and this creation has been something thrown by him or her, whatever uh, we think of the divinity, whether thing is feminine or masculine. So it has been projected out. It has nothing to do with the God's existence. It is as if something apart. So here by saying that, uh, that, he, that God after creating is uh, itself is in the creation. It is uh, what you say, the transcendental and at the same time it is immanent. How, how to understand that? The only way we can understand that is the example of superimposition. That the real 
creation hasn't happened because of ignorance. Just, just the way we see a snake in a rope. So is, this, is there really a snake which has came out from the rope? No, it is always the rope. Because of our ignorance, I am seeing a snake. The entire snake is pervaded by the rope. If you remove the rope, the snake is not there. But at the same time, it is transcendental, though immanent. Why is transcendental? Because the snake doesn't have the power to, in any way, inflict poison in that rope. It is because it's a mere projection. So now you will understand that after creation, how it can be pervading, because it is a superimposition. So that's the thing which is being indicated in the Vedas, that she brings forth this phenomenal world and then pervades it. Upanishad gives another example in the Mundaka Upanishad we find, just like a spider, the spider will be uh, just uh, this creating this cobweb. It's the cobweb comes out from it. So the spider itself is a material cause as well as the efficient cause. As has been mentioned in the Mundaka Upanishad, Yathonanabhi, Srijate, Grinhatecha, Yatha, Prithivyam, Oshadhaya Sambhavanti. Just the way the herbs come out from the earth. From where? It is the earth which is being converted into the herbs. Yatha Sata, Purushat, Keshalomani. Just the way hairs come out from the body. It's the same body which has been, it's the same skin from which it is coming, the same food which is getting transformed into your skin, is getting transformed into your hair. So the same way from the akshara, from that ultimate reality, this creation has came out. It is not something apart from it. So Sri Ramakrishna is actually giving the same example as has been given in the Upanishad. After saying in the Vedas, creation is likened to the spider and its web. That's what Sri Ramakrishna is saying. The spider brings the web out of itself and then remains in it. God is the container of the universe and what is content in it. Is Kali my divine mother of a black complexion? She appears black because she is viewed from a distance. But when intimately known, she is no longer so. The sky appears blue at a distance, but look at it close by and you will find that it has no color. The water of the ocean looks blue at a distance, but when you go near and take it in your hand, you find that it is colorless. So what Sri Ramakrishna is saying in a very simple word in the scripture, what it is being spoken of is the ultimate reality is beyond attributes. But when this ultimate reality comes in association with the minds and the senses, it appears as the world of name and form. That we gave that example of red flower. The redness is not outside there. It is just mere existence. Everything as such is mere existence. It exists. What it is, we never know. When we try to know it with our mind and senses, it is a mind which throws the color. It is a mind which throws the smell. It is a mind which throws the form, projects the form. So all the attributes, the conscious principle beyond the mind, when it activates the mind and it, that conscious principle, after activating the mind, through the mind, through the senses, when it is projected out, it is projected out as this world of name and form. So that's the thing that the ultimate reality, which is beyond attribute, when it comes in association with the mind and senses, it appears as the world of name and form. This is the idea in simple words Sri Ramakrishna is indicating that is Kali, my divine mother of black complexion. She appears black because she is viewed from a distance. What is the distance? The distance of your mind and senses. Through that you are seeing. It is paroksha. In Sanskrit, in our literature, they speak of two types of perception. Paroksha and Aporaksha. Ah, paroksha. paroksha means with the help of something else, you need a crutch in the form of mind and senses, the tinted glass of mind and senses through which your vision is getting tainted, tainted. Aparoksha means when you remove that, you have a direct, it is just direct communion without the mind and without the senses. Then what happens? You are one with that absolute reality. 
that all the projections in the form of attributes, they all collapse. So that's the thing Sri Ramakrishna is indicating that as long as you are far away, you are not relating to the ultimate reality as it is by going into the, in the samadhi what happens the mind the senses falls off it takes you to that aparoksha anubhuti that without that you you are aware of your own existence which is one with the entire existence when it happens when you have gone beyond the mind and the senses at the moment you come through the mind and senses this mind and senses is like it's creating the distance then all this form names and forms comes into existence so the ultimate reality is without the attributes when the ultimate reality comes in association with the mind and senses it appears as a world of name and form so that's being indicated by sri ramakrishna is kali my divine mother of a black complexion she appears black because she's viewed from a distance but when intimately known she's no longer so the sky appears blue at a distance, but look at it close by and you will find that it has no color. The water of the ocean looks blue at a distance, but when you go near and take it in your hand, you find that it is colorless. So the more we go near to the divinity, the more we cross the barriers of our mind and the senses, the more we experience the divinity which is beyond attributes. The master became intoxicated with divine love and sang, is Kali, my mother, really black? The naked one of blackest hue lights the lotus of the heart. The master continued, bondage and liberation are both of her making. By her, by her maya, worldly people become entangled in woman and gold, and again, through her grace, they attain their liberation. She is called the savior and the remover of the bondage that binds one to the world. So now, here the question of grace comes. That however we may try, by our own effort, we can never go beyond the bondage, beyond the shackles of this maya, it's impossible. By her maya, worldly people become entangled in woman and gold. And again, through her grace, they attain their liberation. Then what's the importance of self-effort? Once we really understand it is through her grace, then that resignation comes. Otherwise it is very, it is just the word resignation is just like a this word of your mouth. It never comes from your deep realization. We all say that I have resigned my, uh, myself to the divine, but it is just a lip service. You're just saying something which you don't really feel. To understand her grace, to realize that grace, first we have to endeavor. All the endeavor is not going to have any positive result. With endeavor, I am not going to go beyond the shackles of bondage. With endeavor, I cannot have liberation. All the endeavor at last will lead to the resignation. That resignation alone will lead to liberation. Sri Ramakrishna gives a wonderful example that a bird was sitting in the mast of a ship and the ship was in the deep waters. Now the, bar, the, the bird wanted to fly to the shore. It first flew to the east, found no land, came back, took some rest, flew to the west. Uh, the same, he couldn't get any, that fly, bird couldn't, it could, couldn't get any land. It came and again sat on the mast. North, south, made the same result. At last it was tired. Its wings were tired. It came and simply sat on the mast with a resignation. Let the boat take me. Wherever it takes, let it take me. So this is the thing that all our sadhana is just 
to have develop that sense of resignation but by my effort i can do nothing and then the divine grace works when the real resignation comes that's why in bhagavad gita in the last chapter bhagwan says sharva sarva dharman parityajya mamekam sharanam raja first he has spoken of all the yogas karma yoga jnana yoga bhakti yoga raja yoga the various ways for liberation and then at last he is saying just parityajya you renounce all those efforts and take and just take resignation and just resign to me what's the idea all those endeavors are just to make you realize that with your effort you can never attain it is the grace of the divine and for that the ego should fall off as sri ramakrishna used to say it is not that the grace is conditional it is always blowing for all but it gets obstructed in the wall of ego ami rup deyale dhakka khe kripar batash is it is not you are not getting the touch of the grace because the wall of the ego is there that has to fall off all our spiritual practices are having do not have any positive outcome they are just to break that wall of ego and then the grace itself comes and touches us and then that alone entails in our spiritual liberation so it is her grace even in our day to day life we will understand there that that without the grace comes from the collective aspect of the divine that a student however intelligent a student may be just by his intelligence he cannot become a doctor or engineer he may get good grades but with that grades he has to get admitted to that professional college the medical college that entire medical college is not the product of his endeavor his endeavor or her endeavor gravitated him or her to that medical college which is the product of the collective aspect of the entire humanity so his effort brought him there now he or she gets the favorable circumstance to become a doctor or engineer whatever the case may be so similarly all our endeavor at last where the grace factor comes the plan of the divine is such when you are really intently desiring something you will be gravitated to some circumstances where your desire will be fulfilled so that is daiva here that you have to be carried to that circumstances the plan of the universe is such when you really intently trying with your effort nothing will happen but that intense but your intensity of your effort your intent desire to really get something will gravitate you to the circumstances where that real fulfillment is possible that sri ramakrishna in the gospel so many examples he gives in some other place he gives an example that a a small child was about to die because of some incurable disease and the father was totally perplexed not knowing what to do was started intently praying to the divine mother oh mother save my child and then he heard the voice of the divine that what that when the constellation of the swatis on the ascend is on the sky at that time if it rains and if that rain water is diluted with the venom of the cobra and that diluted uh, rain water which has been uh, diluted by the venom of the cobra if you your child drinks it he will be cured but this man find it is almost impossible that how can when that that swati uh, constellation is on the ascent then the rain should fall then somehow this poison has to be diluted with that rain water and that becomes the medicine how all these factors is possible so he now starts intently praying 
These are the examples in the gospel in some other places that how the grace factors works, how your intent prayer will help to gravitate all the circumstances, make all the circumstances uh, favorable for, for materializing your desire. How is it possible? Sri Ramakrishna gives that example. He started intently praying and then suddenly he saw in the, that in the, in the sky, the Swati constellation is there. He observed. And now he intensely started praying, let there be rain. And it did start raining. Now this man now really started just being a bit, bit, bit hopeful. But now so many other factors are there. How this rainwater can be diluted with the venom of this cobra? He doesn't know. So he starts praying that somehow, oh Lord, God make it possible. And then he sees that uh, in, the, in the forest, in the, there is a skull, a human skull is lying and the rainwater is being collected there. And then from nowhere, a poisonous cobra comes. It was just coming and the cobra sees a frog leaping in front of it. And the cobra was about to that the just bite, inflict poison to that uh, frog, and the frog jumped over the skull, and the cobra missed the attempt. The frog somehow escaped, and but already the pangs of the cobra was about to hit the frog, so it missed, and the poison fell in the water within the skull. And this man was overjoyed. This rain water which uh, has fallen when the Swati constellation was in the ascent, in that the venom of the uh, cobra snake has to fall, it has happened. And he took this ran and this water, he fed to his child and he was cured. So what it speaks of, that when you have intent desire, then the plan of the universe is such, the grace will work. It will, with the grace, all the circumstances will become favorable. And then that will entail in your success. So the grace is a big factor. And that's what mother is saying, that it is not just by our own effort it can happen. Our effort is required, but we should not be that egoistic to think with effort, I will do everything. Actually with effort, when the ego is there, Nothing happens. At last, that ego has to be washed off and the pure resignation should come. And then only the grace will work, which is already there. It is always flowing. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, that the wind of grace is always blowing. Just you have to unfurl the sail. That's the Purushakara. That all the boats, that all the boats cannot take the advantage of the wind. Only those boats which has unfurled the sail they can take the advantage of the wind. So wind is always blowing, unfurl the cell. That's the Purushakar. Once you unfurl the cell, open up yourself to the divine, the grace now will take you to your destination. So that's what Sri Ramakrishna is saying. Bondage and liberation are both of her making. By Maya, by her Maya, worldly people become entangled in woman and gold. And again, through her grace, they attain their liberation. She is called the savior and the remover of the bondage that binds one to the world. As Sri Ramakrishna in some other place says that sharp hoye kati, ojha hoye jhari. That she is the snake which has inflicted the poison of ignorance. And again, she is the uh, exorcist who can take out that poison and cure us. So she is the snake, she is the exorcist, she is the ojha. So how, that's why this master is saying that however intelligent one may be, one cannot think of however skilled one may be by his own effort to get liberation. The divine plan is such, when you are intently uh, desiring for liberation, when you have developed that tremendous urge for liberation, Know it for certain, the mother's grace will make the circumstances uh, 
favorable for your liberation to materialize. So where, with this, we stop our discussion today. This we will continue with the master's words again in the next class. Thank you all. Namaskars.